Located in a nameless desert somewhere in the great American Southwest, Nightvale is a small town where ghosts, angels, aliens, and government conspiracies are all commonplace parts of everyday life. It is here that the lives of two women with two mysteries will converge. Welcome to Nightvale. Book Bash! Welcome to our book club podcast where we pick a book to read each month that we then review. The best part is, you can join our book club. Just read the book with us and give your own feedback on the book and our reviews in the comments below. Be warned, if you haven't read the book and you want to listen to the show anyway, there will be spoilers. We choose the book for the next episode at the end of this one. I hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Alright, yeah. Welcome back, audience, to Book Bash. I am your host, Josh, joined by my least consortium of friends. Darner! Alex. I'm Kirby. Kirby. And so, we read Welcome to Night Vale this month. Yeah, I've read. Let's just face it. You're <laughs> listening, we're listening. It's true. I just like to use the word read or read because it makes conversation about books that much easier. Almost just like it's it's contextually appropriate. It, it is a book, so I read the book. That's what you do with books. I, I'm I've been trying to train myself to say to do to listen. I like to imagine that like every once in a while when I say that in their mind. They imagine my mom at bedtime reading the book to me. <laughs> we should just say consume, and they can imagine you eating it. Yes. Yeah, the problem is, is like when I go talk to other people or strangers, and I'm like, yeah, I totally listened to that book. I get a lot of raised eyebrows and, and conspiratorial looks like, you didn't obtain this knowledge. You didn't actually experience the, the novel. Listening to like, books is the way of the future. It means you can do it on your drive to work every day. You don't have to commit other time to it. So read makes conversations with the public easier. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah the coffee lady always asks me, what are you going to, book club? Oh, what did you read this month? <laughs> you don't care. You just serve coffee. Stop it. Good night, Vale. Yeah, about Nightville. So I recommended this. Yeah, I have done I'm it pretty again. sure you read it before. I have. So actually, <laughs> if, if you listen carefully to last month's episode, I absolutely reveal which ones I have read and hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> I totally realized, like, before Alex even answered the question, I'd pretty much said which ones I'd read and hadn't. Mm. But, uh, so yeah, this is a return novel for me, and um, I enjoy it. I, I like this one, and I'm a fan of the podcast that the novel comes from. So, uh, yeah, so normally what we do here is you're going to tell us why you chose it. Um, I chose this one because, to be completely honest, it was a little bit of an experiment for me. Because I knew at least some, if not most of you, haven't experienced the podcast. And so I was wondering, without that context, how would this book be received? Mm. Can I interject real quick? Alex, have you listened to the podcast? I listened to a couple episodes, so I kind of knew what to expect. But I'm only like five episodes in or something. She's partial. I'm caught up. And I've gone to a live show. And oh, you and you're caught up. Yes. So, so I, actually I had listened had. to what a random lady on a bus had me listen to. 
Okay. I think that's a good introduction to Night Vale. It was about that bad. She's like, you have to listen to this. That seems appropriate. And I was like, I do. You must. (laughs) She wasn't that random. Was she a hooded figure? Yes, actually. (laughs) (laughs) She did have a hoodie. Uh, She didn't invite you to the dog park, did she? No, but she, she was going to the college. Okay. And I was going to the college. And we kept going to the college on the same route, so she recognized me. And so one day she said, you must listen to this. <laughs> That's pretty good. And I said, okay, <laughs> let's do this, 19-year-old girl. Tell me the thing. And then I listened to a little bit of it, and I was like, this is um, pretty bizarre. So anyway, so you chose it because uh, pretty much Alex and I... Uh, are not deeply acquainted. Right, and so it's interesting just how a novel this abstract might be taken. Because, like, I think that there is a cool story in there. Um, Once you kind of get into the swing of the setting, I really enjoy it. But they do a great Um, job of putting you in the setting. Yeah, They just kind of assume that you're used to all this weird crap. Yeah, but as, like, a a longtime fan, it was hard for me to be, like, to kind of separate that from what I already knew. And be like, how how good a job is it really doing here? And so I was doing a little test market play. Okay. So that's why. So what do you really like about it? Um, I really like, uh, particularly about this book, I really like that it is more from the perspective of people living in the town than it is from the podcast perspective, which is your radio host. Okay. Um... Like, for reference, in the book, whenever they do the Voice of Night Vale segments, those are supposed to be, like, chunks of the radio program that is the podcast. Now, the in the book, those chunks aren't from past episodes. They're still exclusive to the book. But that is basically how they do the show. You know, these are like, let's look at traffic and the community calendar and that sort of stuff. Um... And so it was interesting to get more of, like, an actual look at what the life is like in, in Night Vale for the civilians that survive there. And um, I also really like the atmosphere and, and the abstract writing. There's, like, it's kind of set up so that you really can't take anything for granted, you know? They might talk about these plastic flamingos, and then towards the end of the book reveal that flamingos have two beaks and six legs. You know? Right, yeah, yeah. Doesn't everybody? Do all flamingos have that? And then they all take it very, like, placidly and, and casual. And then there's other times where, like, the horrors, you know, like, are either just sort of taken with your morning cup of coffee or they're, like, real horrors. And so it's kind of interesting the way that they do that. All right. I've heard a lot of people... Um, relate some of this work to being kind of Lovecraftian at times and that was also why I was recommending that book because I wanted to get more familiar with Lovecraft. Alright. So, Kirby, what you like about the book? I love their writing. Their writing's hilarious. I like the jokes. I like the... They set up a frame of reference that looks like it's your frame of reference and they say things that are completely off and you're like, wait, what? Uh, one of the things that kept coming back and getting me, one of the minor issues was the, one of the minor uh, jokes was the, uh, the used car salesman. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, used car salesman, like jump from car to car and like, bark and, and you're like, 
Oh, they're just, they're just calling dogs use car salesmen. That's funny. <laughs> right. I like that. Yeah. But like, because they do it like, they do it uh, just straight face. They don't like bring any attention to it. They just, oh yeah, they do use car salesmen over there. Um, so the way that they have like these off-kilter things... And it's like the jokes, the shower, the, sh- the shower comment in the beginning. The shower was one of the best jokes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and she goes like, "It's going, it's going, it's going." It spirals off into like nowhere, and then comes back up like nothing happened. You know, like a normal shower. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I really appreciate the humor. I like the writing. Um, I think it's hilarious. It's why I, when I listen to the podcast, um, I kept listening to the podcast and I keep up on it. So I went to the live show. Yeah, I like the writing. I like the humor. I'm jelly. I haven't done the live show yet. It's really good. I have bought the recordings though, that are available. That's that's me. I like, it's it's funny. That's why I like it. I think if you like Night Vale, then you have to like the setting. That's ninety percent of Night Vale. Yeah. Um, I think specific to this book, what I really liked, what it was, it was a coming of age story, but it was coming of age when you're nineteen for a hundred years. It was an adult coming of age and learning a kind of different maturity. Not like coming to adult age, but coming to a more mature age. It yeah. was, you know, a 15-year-old kid finding his place in the world, trying to come of age, learning about his father. It was a coming of age story done really well. And with the kind of Night Vale weirdo setting, it just worked very well. Yeah, kind of. I'd say it almost partners with this sort of like finding yourself because I think Diane Creighton's going through a lot of that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I liked the shower, <laughs> the flamingos. The flamingos were good. Did you like the science? You write things on clipboards, and draw graphs, yeah, and read numbers. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, so long as you write it on a clipboard. Um, I did kind of like the the surrealist way they were doing things. Yeah, they, like they were just sort of, the the way they'd write, they would make it, uh, everything was like quasi-real. And, and what I also liked is that the characters were also somewhat in on it. They knew that Night Vale was weird. Mm-hmm. Right? They, 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 it, they were simultaneously passing it off. And in the back of their mind, not. I actually really like that. Yeah. That they did that. Um, you know, we have a weird town. We're going to go save this town from becoming weird like us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I would almost dare say, just to, to interject here a moment, like, there's something about Night Vale to me that seems to, like, play with this sort of existential horror that is just sort of life and and you know the scale of everything yeah so actually they take a lot of like sort of nihilistic comedic takes on it a lot of the time you know just sort of like "Ah, it's all meaningless and whatever yeah i'm glad you brought that up so there is one thing i really liked about the book although they never like explicitly mention it and it's and it's not like a big theme but so what night vale does is there are people constantly being like essentially brutally murdered and getting killed. But the way the characters in the book treat it, they treat it more like these people got in car accidents. Uh-huh. Right? They're like, oh yeah, so he's at the library and he got like snatched by a librarian. Right? And, and they treat it more like, well, well shit, man. Oh man, he was just driving and yeah. he got T-boned. Right? They treat like all these horrible things 
that happened to the people, like they're just randomly getting picked off. Um, it, but in, but by our standards, they're being like deliberately picked off. But um, in, as a juxtaposition to our world, where yeah, people just seemingly are randomly getting constantly mutilated and killed, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Like it, it, Night Vale's like um, mutilation and death and and rate of death is actually not too dissimilar from our own. Just the causes are different, right? And 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 their reaction and their feeling towards it though is the same. And that juxtaposition where they're like. Where almost in a way they're like, just look at yourself. You take these getting crushed by metal machines pretty normally. And, but is that normal? And then I think to really drive the point home, when there is a car accident later in the book, yeah, they like take it very seriously. Yeah, like she's in the hospital. Diane's worried about her missing son. <laughs> yeah, everyone's real weirded out. Like that, even the radio stops like their abstract traffic reports to be like, and there's a terrible accident in this neighborhood. Yeah, that is more <laughs> weird to them than if like the secret police came and like drug somebody away, <laughs> drug yes. someone away, disappeared. You drug off the mines for voting incorrectly. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a lot of the appeal of <coughs> Night Vale, though. Is a lot of things have this kind of juxtaposition dual meaning, like. The library being such a dangerous place, it kind of alludes to knowledge being such a dangerous idea. Mm-hmm. You know, learning things being dangerous. Um, I'm trying to think of another example. There's tons throughout the entire book. It's just like this duality that is very clever and very well put together. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Is there anything you didn't like about the book, Josh? Um, I have few criticisms for this, admittedly. I was trying to, listening to this again, see if I couldn't be a little more hard on it. Um, I think that there are definitely some dry points in this book where they just kind of take too much time to get around to stuff. And there's also a lot of, like, I think just slightly too many dead leads where they work really hard to try to get some pieces to the puzzles that just don't produce anything at all. I mean, like, I'm I'm torn because, like, I really love the segment of them traversing the library. Mm -hmm. Um, As a podcast listener, the show, you know, introduces the concept of librarians really early. Mm -hmm. And so, but they don't ever describe a librarian. Like, this book is really the first time, other than, I think, a live show where they try to describe what a librarian might look like. Right. You know, and, and do. And so, um, I really like that. It's this great tense kind of moment in the book. But then, what they went in there to get ends up really producing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. They just get more questions than they got answers. Well, I mean, from a writing perspective, you do have to have these little mini climaxes. Sure. And that was a very tense, climactic point in the book. Mm-hmm. But... It does have to dip back down so that it can rise back up later. Yeah. Um, just from a literary writing perspective, but. Yeah. So I think that there's just a few points where it was just kind of like, like okay, let's move forward, and oh, that one didn't work again. You know, we still don't know who Troy Walsh is. Yeah, I mean, essentially, you pretty much through the vast majority of the book watch these two characters spin their wheels until one day they go to the end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so I'd agree with that. Anything else? 
Um. Gosh. No, I don't think so. All right, Kirby. <laughs> so, if this book was a quarter of its length, I think I would have liked it a lot better. I don't think okay. this book needed 12, 13 hours. What was it? It was a little over 12. It was a little over 12. It was long. It was yeah, way it, longer so you're than saying it was story three hours. If it was three hours, um, which is three times the length of a Night Vale episode and about twice the length of a Night Vale live show, uh, where it worked out really well. Hmm. Um, I think that they're really good at writing and producing and they're really good at putting on the performance of the podcast and the show. But it doesn't translate that well to a novel. Um, the pacing in the beginning murdered me. I liked Jackie. I liked what she was doing for the first part of the book. I hated everything about Diane for most of the book <laughs> because her chapters were super boring. I spent most of her chapters wishing that the next chapter with Jackie would come. I thought her chapters were extremely slow and awful and the rehashed interactions with her son, which were never any different. They just kept hitting the same points over and over again. I got a question for you. Do you, do you think there's a good reason that Diane and Jackie need to be different characters? Um, like, could they have just been the same character? Yeah, I don't think there's any... Um, yeah, I, I don't really think there's any uh, reason the plot needed to be two characters. I think Jackie did most of the driving, and Diane was just there because she had attachments that were necessary for the plot to move forward. She, she almost felt like she existed because Josh existed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So her chapters, like, I was thinking about it earlier today. Everything about her for the first half of the book until they both meet up, because it's like the first half of the book, they're doing their own type of thing, they meet up, do the library, and then they're together from that point on until they get to the end. Her part of the first half of the book was just like, every chapter was just like, nothing about her, everything about, like, it was just, it wasn't telling you, like, she wasn't doing anything, it was just uh, telling you lots of stuff that would be important later. Um, anyway, so I got super bored in Diana's chapters. Uh, I don't think they contributed a lot. And it's like, uh, what you said, spinning wheels and going nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and then even Jackie's chapters, which were better, because she was doing things, but... She went point to point to point to point so they could show you this exhibit of these cool things from the show that you recognize. And be like, oh, remember this? This is from the show. Remember this? This is from the show. Remember this? This is from the show. And so a lot of those interactions were just her going to places and spending entire chapters having a conversation and getting nothing out of it and moving on. Um, so I think there's a lot of time and space in this book that didn't need to be spent on things. If it was just jokes and plot moves forward, I thought I think it would have been much better. You see, I, I might argue against the the Diane and Jackie um, could should or could have or should have been one character. Wow, well, yeah, I'm willing to hear an argument for um, why they might be different. I felt like the book had two sort of antagonistic characters. Okay. There's the mysterious man in the deerskin, uh, or in the tan jacket and deerskin suitcase. Mm -hmm. And then there is your smiling man who has all these different jobs in town, and there's this sort of funny interplay between the two main characters and these two and um, antagonists. Diane has all this information about Evan, but is more concerned with the mystery of Troy, where Jackie is running into Troy way more often, but is more concerned with Evan. And so, like, there's these weird cross interplays that these two main characters get to tell different sides of this story and help build the audience's um, bank of information as well as the, the greater mystery that's going on between King City, Troy, and 
everything else that was going on in this in this plot. See, I agree with Josh, but I'd also like to add that maybe it's just... Um, well, first of all, you need both characters because without the other, the one character would not grow. Jackie mm. helps Diane mm. grow yeah. as a character, and Diane helps Jackie grow as a character. Yeah, I think that's true, too. Um, but it's also having kids and being a mom... I can really relate to Diane in a lot of things. And I think having that perspective made her an even more powerful character and probably touched to a lot more audiences. Whereas we all can relate to somebody being 19 and kind of bored with our job and just doing the same thing in and out. Yeah, I think Jackie's youth led her with a lot of ambition where Diane was more domestically concerned. There's also the possibility, like, uh, what... Kirby is saying is that by having two characters, you can essentially have two different characters in two different places at the same time, which makes it easier to cover more ground, paint more ground, mm-hmm. so that you can explore the setting more. Yeah, right. You, you essentially have a two people in the same place. I, yeah, I agree that um, that they could that they did facilitate each other's growth. I'm just not certain. Like it did not feel so necessary to me that it had to be. Diane, right? Like, I, I could have easily just been like, minus a Diane, take most of Diane's story and apply it to this character. And I could have, you could have used a different vehicle in order to drive Jackie's um, growth, right? Because, like, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't clear to me, because the overall story is like, what's going on in um, King's, King City, right? Right? And it's like, what's going on there? That's, 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 that's pretty much what's driving the story. Right, and and so because of that, I wasn't certain that we needed another protagonist. I think that's only half the story, though, because Diane is not concerned with what's happening in King City. She's concerned with Troy. Well, again, like Josh said, Troy, Diane has information about Troy. Jackie needs information about Troy. Right. So it's just, it's definitely two stories that are very interwoven. And I don't think that one story could exist without the other, without massive changes to the entire book. Could you point to the massive change? Because because this is this is my argument, right? Like I'm, well, it's say, not clear to me that it would require much change. Say we don't have Diane at all. We just have Jackie. She's working at the pawn shop. Leather skin suitcase comes in, gives her King City. Mm-hmm. She's trying to go through, find out everything. Maybe she runs into Diane, who's not in the story, but has information about Troy. Well, if Diane wasn't doing her part of the story, trying to find Troy, then Jackie probably would not talk to her, would not bump into her all the time. And that would not give her information. She'd have to find that information someplace else. She wouldn't think to talk to Diane. She wouldn't think to yell at Diane because she's always in her way or stalking her or whatever from Jackie's point of view. And then he probably would have removed the car accident and hospital time where Jackie had to be pretty much shelved for a while. Right. I mean, like, I'm more or less siding with Kirby here, right? Like, Kirby said that the book could be three hours. Right. Right. And, like, I'm pretty much in agreement here. That, and that's like, this just, story could be I, much shorter. And I think you could understand that that would be a dramatic change in the book. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you what. Cut 75% of this book out is massive. You know what? Fair enough, Alex. Fair enough. Anything else you don't like? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there is. Um, 
one of the things I like most about Night Vale, Welcome to Night Vale, the podcast, is um, half the fun is what they don't tell you because mm. they assume you already know or they don't know because everything is from the perspective of this radio announcer who doesn't have firsthand, who almost never has firsthand information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the like crazy existential threats to Night Vale get resolved in the space of a section of the show called The Weather where they just play a random song from some hipster indie band. And so at the end of the, he's like, da, 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 something's going on. And uh, while we figure it out, the weather. And then it takes a break. And it comes back. It's like, okay, we're good now. Here's what happened. And it doesn't go into detail. It's just like, everything's fixed now. And so half of the fun of the show is just what they don't tell you and the lack of information. They don't explain things to you. And one of the nice things about the book was that you got a lot of world building. They don't have much time for world building in the show. And so you got to see a lot of how stuff works. Like I never seen Carlos' lab, Carlos's lab before. I had never um, had anyone lay out why time doesn't work in Night Vale and the exact like repercussion to that specifically. And parts of that were all right, but the other parts, I think it wasn't just wasn't worth it in the end because when they started overtly talking about Night Vale's weirdness and the specific details, it kind of killed some of the magic for me. Hmm. Especially when they were in King City and said, oh yeah, Night Vale is a weird place. I'm like, nobody ever acknowledges the Night Vale is a weird place. They're all operating under this, oh, it's just Night Vale. This is just how things are. And then there's this, like, there's, like, they're weirdly shifted out from reality. And they don't talk about it. They just hint at it. They talk around it. And that lets you, like, make all these connections. And that's fun. See, I thought it was kind of funny that the only time they really acknowledge how weird Night Vale is is when they finally aren't in it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, only the outside can know yeah, that's how true. weird Night Vale is. Um, yeah, so just, I think it killed so like, then them, the, not not the book talking about it, the characters talking about sure. overtly saying, oh yeah, it's weird, it's like this, when the rest of the world is like this, kind of killed some of the magic for me. No, I can definitely understand that, though. Um, yeah, so I thought it was too long, I thought Diane was boring, and <laughs> I didn't like how in-depth they went into talking, overtly talking about some of the underlying details. That's what I didn't like. I knew that Diane wouldn't be the most popular character because she is a little bit of a struggle. All right. Is there anything you didn't like, Alex? Yes. I did not like that they never explained why Diane knew Evan. They start out with, oh, Evan worked there, and suddenly nobody remembers him. Why did she? Why did she? Yeah, what makes her so special? Did Evan ever work there? Like, it's never well, says why. He said he did work there. He said he came there, and he got a job working with her because she was Josh's mother. Uh, I don't remember he, that. Yeah, he laid it out yeah, in, the, does, in the town hall in that. King City. He laid it out all like, yeah. I did this because I know this, that this, he was this. looking for... Well, okay. Yeah, yeah, he was looking for... He was trying to get the paper to Josh. He didn't know what Josh looked like, so he gave it to everyone. It didn't work. Found out that Diane was his mother. Started working with her, but yeah, you're right. It does not ever talk about why she can remember him, but nobody else can. She's special and doesn't talk about it. Okay, so you really hated that. Yeah, that's it. Okay, that's it. <laughs> no Garner's half an hour rants. That's okay. Yeah. Garner's ready. <laughs> I just don't even... Um, I will say, before I get into this, <laughs> that this book... Ha- has almost made me put pencil to paper. <laughs> oh. This book is inspiring. <laughs> Before you go on a rant, do you think that this book is bad or that it's not your style? I'm going to touch on that too. <laughs> I am going to touch on that too. So first, I think this book's a piece of shit. But... 
And not also do I think it's so bad, I had to promise myself that I would not check my score for Elantris, Snow Crash, or Neuromancer. (laughs) (laughs) Halfway through the book, I'm like, I cannot go to my library. I cannot look at these scores. Okay. I was like, I am just, I'm going to give this book a one, and I'm going to go back and see if these other books are ones. This is the only book I've given a one. Okay. This is the only one. I gave Elantris a two. What's funny is when April asked me about it, though, she said, is this book worse than that one that Staley recommended? And I said, no, it couldn't be that bad. That book was twice as long. <laughs> well, apparently, even back then, I did not. I was not as upset. One could abstract that by Garner's metric, a, a bad book twice as long as is then it earns another star. <laughs> it gets another star. But like you managed that. You at right? least it's tried for another. No, but they, they have they have enough hours. materials. They have another twelve hours in which to sneak in a couple of things you might like. I have no idea either because I actually I was just like I'm sure that I also gave Atlantis a one. I had to have that book stinks. Well, I think it was like our third book, so in the club, so. There wasn't much of a metric then. You were probably being generous. I don't know. But I but I made sure that I would not look before I went and measured this book. Because I was just like... Like, I wanted to turn this book off within the third hour. I was just like, for the love of God, this hero's journey cannot be the heroes reject the journey, the book. <laughs> Apparently... I am wrong. You can reject the journey for half a fucking book <laughs> and sell and make lots of money. Lots. And I started to realize that. I was just like, you know what, man? There's just a lot of books out there. You know, like Fifty Shades of Grey sold, Twilight sold, and you know what? I'm sorry, Neil Stevenson. Your book is golden compared to this book. I should write. I should write anything. <laughs> I should write something <laughs> because I cannot stand it anymore. Like I have been this close to just being like, I must write. If these guys can write, I can write. So um, yeah, that's the start of that rant. And the end. <laughs> this book has inspired me. I hated this book. Like I despised this book. Um. It's weird too, because I like cosmic horror, but these guys don't get cosmic horror. Like it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> I actually wonder if they've ever read Lovecraft, oh, yeah. ever <laughs> in their lives, right? Because like the whole point is that it is unnerving, right? Not that it is commonplace. That's the point. It's supposed to be this unsettling feeling, right? That that. The things are not as they seem. Yeah. That's not what they do here. They're like completely up in that. Well, I think it's like a comedy. Yeah, I, I think they're trying to be a parody, right? And so I realized that's like what I like about Cosmic Horror is the thing they removed. <laughs> as is tradition. <laughs> they took the things you liked and removed it. And they took it up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Hero's Journey thing drove me fucking crazy. Um, the other thing is, is after getting enough books, 
that are pretty much, you know, also I gotta say, uh, Andy Ware, who wrote The Martian, because The Martian is one fiction book that we've read so far that I actually liked. You liked American Gods. And I liked American Gods. You're right. American Gods was good. I, I, was, I was soft on American Gods. Um, like, I, I had like a soft like of it because I still felt like it was meandering, right? But I liked it, right? Like, I would recommend American Gods. And, uh, and I would recommend The Martian. You know what I've realized, talking about my tastes, is if a book is essentially a vehicle for exploring a world, I hate that book. <laughs> I, I cannot, I, I just, th- this plot could be summarized in a sentence. It's like, it just, it's just like, and, and what they do, they, they went like, like, they went full snow crash on this too. They literally <laughs> just go, do, 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 reject the hero's journey for half a book. Then they get to the end of the book. Uh, they, they finally go to King City. Finally. Even though they've been beating you over the head with this and made sausage with it for nine hours. Actually, probably more. Then they go and meet a guy, and he just exposition dumps. <laughs> <laughs> it just fucking just unloads yeah, just like, all the backstory on them and then they end the story so it sounds like what you don't like is this is a and d game in a weird setting and the players are doing stupid things uh yeah maybe uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, well you know it's taught me let me tell you all these books that we've been doing that follow this format of meandering around and then eventually it leads to the question being answered, right? I realize I just really don't like that. I really, really don't like that. And that is a style thing. Like, apparently there's a lot of people who must like that. Apparently, most Josh people. must really like that. Apparently, most <laughs> people who like fiction uh-huh. actually like that. Yeah, because I have realized, because I, I was like, why did I like, because I had to stop with this book, and I was like, why do I like The Martian? And I was like, because in The Martian, it's not a vehicle for exploring the setting. It's our world. And two, <laughs> he's not trying to answer a question. He is, I mean, if there's a question, it's like, how do I get off Mars? But he's got conflicts to resolve, both him and NASA. And, you know, and that, that's a pretty cool book. You know, the villain, Mark Watney, eventually wins. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh,. So I realized that like having like a concrete objective that where the hero or the protagonist actually takes steps to deal with their conflict and not just wander around and get nothing done and they're pretty much along for the ride and they may as well be like literally in, in, in the case of like Neuromancer, the characters are just pretty much just drug around by Armitage and by this robot, right? You know, I didn't like that much either. Right, and I was just like, I should like this. I didn't like it in Snow Crash. They, they pretty much are just like, I need more exposition dumps, please. At least he paced it out in that book. In this book, they just get to the end, and this guy just like unloads the dumpster of backstory on them and says the end. I, I want to give some credit here though. Like the exposition dump in this book is probably half the length of one of the exposition dumps in fucking Snow Crash. Yes, but I gave Snow Crash a two. Just saying. <laughs> you know what? I, I'll tell you what. And, and all these guys have crapped on. Neil Stevenson, William Gibson. Um, who was that other guy? Brandon Sanderson. 
I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. You at least tried. <laughs> this guy clearly just wanted to be like, and this is the Arby's, and this is the library, and this is the auto shop, and this is town hall, this is, and this, this is, is the school. That's what I was getting earlier. Two like, author novel here. Yeah, so. Jackie's first half, that's what I was getting earlier when I said, like, Jackie's first half of the story was just, like, her getting strung around, like, oh, exposition, Josie's house, exposition, exposition dump, city hall, exposition dump, and it's boop, 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 hitting all the little dots in the map. But I will absolutely take uh, a punch of a jaw on this, Alex. Uh, yeah, I clearly do not like question and answer books. Yes. If there is a question, and the whole point of the book is waiting to get the answer, I I pretty much want to shoot myself by the fourth answer, by the fourth hour. <laughs> well, I don't even think there's a question in the beginning, which is probably why you don't like it. It's they don't even know enough to ask the right questions, which is why they get strung along. Yeah, there's this like slice of, slice of life aspect to the book. Where they're just like existing. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, please. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, I'll, t- you know what, anywhere, I'll take first person slice of life on Mars where there's real problems. Please take me back. I forgive you. No. No, they did it. So, yeah, um, man. I'll tell you why. I think one more like this, and I'm writing anything. Anything I'm going to write, I'm going to write an urban fantasy horror book with enough love triangles, it will look like a chain link fence. <laughs> <laughs> and then I will try to make money on that. Yeah, there we go. I did not like this book. I can only name the three things I like about the book. Flamingos, showers, and, and like this cute awareness. There we go. So when they did sort of do the, um, when they actually did do a few of the more intense horror sections of the book, like, I think when they first get to King City is a pretty creepy mm-hmm. moment, and um, as well as sort of like traversing the library is like a creepy action scene. Yeah, so um, I, I will mention that, how actually. How did you feel about those? Well, so, so I've read some Lovecraft, and you will note something. So they make fun of Lovecraft by the way, in writing circles, because he almost never describes the actual horror. Right. Like, at all. <laughs> but that's the horror part of it. Right, that's the horror part of it. So it was actually sort of interesting that these guys didn't actually follow that trope. They yeah. did somewhat describe it. And I actually did somewhat appreciate that. And I do think they did a somewhat okay job. But at the same time, I kept being like, Why? <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, I guess they're finally here to get some information. When they did not get, like, a discernible payout, I just... Anyways. Continue, please. I, I, yeah. I think we're too... Would you recommend it? So... Uh, oh, I, I, was gonna, something? Oh. I was just saying, like, the, <laughs> to agree with you, I got to hour three. <clears throat> it was like that scene in Star Wars Episode Four was like, I felt... Uh, Great crying out in the force and the sudden silence. <laughs> and that was Garner hitting hour three. <laughs> <laughs> that was, if only I had a gun right now, please. Yeah, so like, I hit hour three, and at that point I knew, like, part of me just knew, I was like, this is where this is going. I didn't want to believe it though, and I'm capable of pushing those feelings aside for another nine hours. Um, but the things that stood out to me in this book were like the very beginning, the library, and King City. Like I told you earlier, if you just took all those annoying pits in the between, put that all together into three hours, by the time you got mad, it would have already been over. 
I probably would have liked this book if they had cut Diana and made it in three hours. <laughs> but but I just don't know. Like like I just I cannot imagine how they justified writing it out for twelve hours. Did you like the radio bits? Like just the random like the traffic reports? I'm wondering if you would like the podcast better because yeah. it doesn't have that meandering story. It's kind of a I'm I'm torn because like like I'll tell you what I definitely don't want to listen to the podcast now. Yeah, right. Like it's a bit worse. Like, I don't want to now. Yeah. Like, uh, but uh, um, I mean, there was in the beginning like the novelty was sort of fun. After a while, I was like, yes, 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 yes. I get it. It's it's where's Waldo land? It's weird. All right. Are we going to tell this story? <laughs> right? So after a while, I just wanted anything but them dragging their feet. Anything but that. So the radio segments, even towards the end of the book, I was just like, God damn it. No more music, please. No more sound effects. Just just go somewhere. <laughs> go anywhere. And uh, so that's my actual feeling. So in the beginning, yes, I kind of liked it. But, you know, I realize, and you're right, it is it is question-answer book. I do not like those. And I think Josh does. Yeah. Okay. Would you recommend it, Josh? <laughs> yes. I definitely would recommend this book. I think if, you, if you're if you listening to this and have not heard the book yet, and we've just finished on Garner's, you know... 20-minute <laughs> rant. Garner's opinion. And, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was only 15 minutes. I have to say... It was only 15 minutes of hate. If you really like... Uh, abstract settings or um, books that kind of give you perspective on like like make you question normalcy then I definitely would recommend this one uh, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it <laughs> clearly <laughs> no absolutely not you'd be better off like you're gonna listen to the book anyway so just don't do that and go listen to 10 episodes of the podcast you'll get more out of it uh <laughs> It's better. Like I said, they know their podcast presentation is fucking fantastic. Yeah. Their writing in the book just drags and makes you wish that, like, Garner's hatred. Now, Garner's like, he's never going to listen to the podcast now. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And it's I, this book's fault. Yeah. I just, I am <laughs> never going to listen to that podcast. I'll be honest. I, I've known Garner pretty well. I don't think he'd like the podcast anyway. No, I mean, obviously. Um, but, you Garner, know, I, I think yeah. this book is a detriment to the idea of getting people involved and interested in the setting. I think that they're better off just listen to the podcast, go like three episodes, enough to know if they like it or don't like it. They will have used a quarter of the time that this book takes to read, and they'll have their answer. I just, I just want to treble off that real fast. Why Diane and Jackie? Why not Carlos, man? Why not the interesting characters? Hey, because okay. they already Some use those characters in the, the podcast. Book. There's another book. They're making another book. Which I'm, is in October. Which I'm probably gonna, is the main which character. Which I'm probably going to read. And just like the entire time I'd be like, please don't do this to me again. Please don't do this to me again. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So, no. Absolutely not. Don't fucking bother. This is also their first book. And I um, noticed something about first book. Stanley was right. And uh, I hope my first book is a flaming trial. Shit, it will be. Yeah, their second book I think is a is Carlos is the main character. I should listen to the second book and be like, this is the best shit ever. We're gonna like, we'll, we'll just recommend it later this you year. You might get and... a chance. <laughs> if my math is right, I think I'm coming up again in October. Oh jeez, I'll, I'll be back in the state. Wow, evil. Make you do it again. 
You'll just put it up right next to other books that you won't pick. <laughs> How about you, Alex? Oh, Alex? I would recommend the podcast first, but I would say if you liked the podcast and if you like fiction stories, then you should read the book. So I would recommend the book with reservations. Okay. I think I've made it clear that I would not recommend this book <laughs> under any circumstances. I would not eat it with. I would not read it with a fox in a box. Garner would sooner recommend going to the library. In I, yeah, just about. I I will say this. I would sooner recommend reading Elantris. Yes, I did that. I do not recommend this book. I just sim- simply put, I think that there you can find a more compelling story, right? There's there's all kinds of other fiction out there, and so while yeah, I come off as like extremely harsh on all these people out there. The reason why is because there's lots of content. You don't have to settle. There's better stuff than this. Listen to me, people. There's better stuff than this. You can find it. It's not hard. There we go. Well, I think I've done it. I think I managed to make the most pick the most polarizing book yet. Because <laughs> we're usually like pretty close to agreeing, but, but I think I did it. I yeah, you have managed to pick yeah a pretty polarizing book. Uh, <laughs> so polarizing that this month um, is revenge. Oh, yeah. Because you are you are next. Yeah, this is revenge time. Oh, Garner. This is nothing but but books made out of sheer granite. I don't even care if they suck. <laughs> you will pay for what you've done. <laughs> you managed to make Diablo 3 boring. Okay. Let me go All get right. my list. Go get your list. You pay. Also, people, you should join the book club. Recommend other books <laughs> so I can tear them down and eventually will force me to write my own shitty book. Which I will read. Which we will read on the book club and then tear apart. And, yeah. then, we, and then I will shred it and be like, don't ever read <laughs> this meandering piece of world building trite. And, and, and to, uh, to follow suit with our opening statements, if you write the book, I'll make the audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I never submitted my NaNoWriMo book. <laughs> Carter would just tear it apart. Is it a world building? <laughs> it's not even world building. It's just very meandering through a very boring world. Okay. See, today, so I so, might like it then. So I will let you know that originally, originally I planned, yeah, you would like it, wouldn't you? You would like it. Oh, just, just, you just go around and check out cool and interesting places? Sounds excellent. So originally, I was going to have the Dictator's Handbook on this list, but that's not granite. Oh. <laughs> that's not made of okay. solid granite. Vengeance here. Vengeance. I, have to, I was like, no, 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 no. They might actually choose that because it is softer than steel. My apologies, audience, that you're getting punished for what I've done. <laughs> so your Fuck first you guys. choice... I'm going to Mississippi. I ain't doing this. ...is <laughs> The Seven Military Classics of Ancient China by Ralph D. Sawyer. And uh, brief explanation about why this book. Um, I read The Art of War when I was a young boy. And the 
book was excellent, but it was a particular book of the Art of War. It was one done by Ralph D. Sawyer. He's a historian, and the book had diagrams and explanations and historical perspectives about like how you can interpret the chapters, and it was actually pretty good. I clicked the uh, the Audible for this, and they actually have an Asian guy doing it. So you know, to be fair, you know, it has it has a you know, it can kind of get you into the mood. Um, it is 17 hours. And what, what did you say it was about? It is the seven military classics of ancient China. So they're going over, like, not just the art of war, but other um, uh, other strategy books. So this is a book talking about books? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it has books in the book. Yes, and it is a book talking about books. So they read all the books and then they talk about... They probably, review, they probably review all the books. So wait, just so I'm understanding, it includes the Art of War? Yeah, from my understanding it's it does. Full? I'm just going to click it. It should have it in it. The Art of War is a small book. You could you could put it in your pocket. Oh. Right? Like I, I don't know. Okay. So is it just all of these seven books put uh, together? I'll just, I'll just go with it. Yeah. So this, <clears throat> the seven military classics of ancient China presents us with an Eastern tradition of strategic thought that emphasizes outwitting one's opponent through speed, stealth, flexibility, and a minimum of force. An approach very different from that stressed in the West, where the advantages of brute strength have overshadowed more subtle methods. Safeguarded for centuries by the ruling elites of Imperial China, even in modern times, these writings have been known to only a handful of Western specialists. In this volume are seven separate essays written between 500 BC and 700 AD that preserve the essential tenets of strategy distilled from the experience of the most brilliant warriors of ancient China. Okay, so this does not include the art of war. My bad. Oh, it's seven essays. So okay. it's actually, it's got uh, seven military essays in it. And then, because it's done by Ralph D. Sawyer, who's this uh, really good historian, like he is amazing, um, it will come with all sorts of commentary and background. Sure. And it's pretty cool. Do you know so, that, or are you just assuming that he'll do that because it's a because Sawyer book? Because I've read one of his books before. That doesn't necessarily mean that he does all his books like that. You want yeah, to bet, you I want could to bet be money wrong. I could be wrong. Hmm. I could be. Yes, yeah, so you want to bet money on it? Uh, I might so, that money. Second book. Second book. The second book. So the second book is uh, Epictetus, specifically the Anchiridon, and I probably uh, butchered that. How the hell and do you spell that? A N C H I R O D O N. Maybe not. It's E N C H I R I D I O N. Wow, I was really wrong. Anchiridion. N Discourses. However, How did most you people talk that? about, huh? How did you pronounce that? <laughs> I I said Enchiridon. Enchiridion. Enchiridion. Anyways, um, most people just call it Epictetus. Okay. Right, because that's who wrote it. And uh, this is a guy who um, you guys knocked down uh, Marcus Aurelius a few months back in instead of uh, Checklist Manifesto. Hmm. Um, he was a Stoic philosopher, and I was like, well, we'll go to the different, you know, we'll go to the source. Epictetus is another uh, Stoic philosopher, and he's pretty good. He is 13 hours, and here comes the bomb. I don't think you guys will choose this, but I could be wrong. This is a treatise of human nature. And this is mostly in response to the Zen and art of motorcycle maintenance. This is Hume, <coughs> David Hume, 
<laughs> you giving us Hume. I told you. Yeah, apparently. So this is right here. That's Hume. David Hume. And he, uh, he's pretty much just prior to Kant. Kant and Hume were closer together. This is right around just before the time of the Founding Fathers. Or, or actually more, really right in their time. This is one of the philosophers during their time. And, uh, and since he was brought up quite a bit, and the other philosophy book we read, I was like, you know what? I have not actually read a complete work of Hume. It would be interesting to see if I was unfair to Piercing. Hmm. Right? I would actually love to eat my words and see if I was unfair to Piercing. It, however, is a monster Goliath book. And so uh, How much? I don't blame you for backing down from that one. But the other ones are much smaller. How much is Hume? Hume is 23 hours. Okay. Okay. And then the other two were? 17 and 13. An hour a day is a tall order <clears throat> to fill. Oh, uh, yeah, that's pretty tough. Except I, you know, I was just like, originally I was like, I'm going to do the dictator's handbook this month. I bet they'll choose Epicetus is Stoic philosophy? Stoic philosophy. Okay. Yeah, so there's two philosophy books, and one is like a history book. And this is the Wash My Palette. <laughs> so I would actually want to do them in reverse order. My first pick would be Hume, followed by Stoic, followed by Chinese essays. I wanted Chinese essays. <laughs> but, um... Uh... Depends on how Josh votes. If he votes uh, philosophy, then I'm just gonna get on the philosophy bandwagon. To be fair, Chinese essays uh, tend to still be a little like poetic, right? That's why there's interpretations. Yeah, there and for them, like their philosophy is kind of built into everything else too, isn't it? Yeah. So you're still getting philosophy. And I have a hankering to see that uh, Eastern philosophy because Piercing's like, uh, I don't know, fuck it, I'm not gonna deal with it. <laughs> he, he just gave up and left China. <laughs> yeah, these are these are some ball busters. I chose, like I said, I chose Hume because um, Hume was brought up a number of times. I actually thought about bringing, specifically bringing Kant because uh, Piercy mentions Kant more. But I'm going to be fair. Like I actually do like you people, and Kant, <laughs> Kant is notorious for being a shitty writer. And then, when confronted about it, said, if you're serious about philosophy, you wouldn't mind. <laughs> so, because we're friends, I will not make you read Kant. Or even offer it. So, I chose Hume. Because I was like, Hume probably knows how to write. Because he influenced Kant. And, uh, you know. Is this the right one? Yeah, yeah, this is our guy, Epicetus. That's 13 hours. And that's still a philosophy right there. That should be... There's a lot of like mainstream movements towards that anyways. Like, you know, Buddhism has a lot to say. That's essentially like Stoic philosophy. It should be pretty good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I, my preference would actually be in the order they were given. Okay. I just don't, I don't want to tackle 23 hours. I'm going to class every single day. Like, I don't, uh, I don't want to put an hour a day into this. I'd be much happier with uh, 13 or 17. And I want to, I, I like military history and I would like to read it. Sorry, I'm taking my time on this decision here. That's fine. You are not familiar boat. with any of these titles, so I'm looking them over a little. <laughs> See, picking is based upon how how cool the title sounds, Steve. Pick my poison. 
Are you even going to be able to record with us next time? No, not even a little bit. We can find ways. So, so tell us a little bit about that. Because you've been our guest for a couple months now. It's my third club club now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so so I'm in the Air National Guard, the Washington Air National Guard. My unit is a cyber defense unit. Uh, For two years, I've been in this unit without any actual job. Because I've been waiting to go to technical training to get my job. Because the job slot that I got into in my unit is a career field that you can only get into if you've already been in the Air Force and are cross-training from some other field. But the wait list to get through training is long, and there are lots of requirements that you have to do. So it took me a year and a half to be able to go to school, and another several months to get a school date. Um, Now that I have that, next Thursday, I fly to Mississippi, where I get to learn about network defense and stuff for four months, and then maybe get a follow-on school for another three months. So I'm going to be out for a little while. I'm in the dorm room, apparently reading philosophy books. Well, I, I think that we should just find a way. Well, what it sounds like is I need to just buy a better mic over here. Do you have a good mic, Alex? No. Okay, so Alex and I would need good mics. Because then we could do it over the internet, right? Well, no. It, 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 could we do a like a conference the curtain. It would be difficult. The easiest would actually probably be either take a bite on audio quality and just have you as a voice box here at the table. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, like a phone like call. Like a conference just... call with you. Um, if if I monkey around with the recording uh, equipment, I may be able to even get you um, through the system, and then it would be just your... Treat it as another audio input. It would just basically in. be picking up your mic from his end, and then I would edit, splice it in with us. Ooh, um, fancy. So we, we could we could try to figure that out. Um, worst case scenario, um, we get a a and here's Kirby's opinion and and let the people know. I, I just monologue for a couple minutes at a time. So basically <laughs> you, you would send one of us a, a dissertation and then we would All right. Well I'm probably taking my microphone it. to school, which isn't quite your microphone's quality, but it's up there. It, it doesn't um, have to be perfect. I mean, we can grab a laptop or something, too, or yeah. Skype on phone. Or we'll discuss it over the course of the month. I am going Indeed. to read whatever book we pick, okay. and then whether or not I'm going to be able to participate in the club, we'll figure that one out later. And I think I am inclined to go with the Enchiridion. Epicetus. So that sounds like the middle road. So yeah, it sounds like we're going Enchiridion, because I want China, you want Hume, and he wants Enchiridion, but I'm willing to meet in the middle. Yeah. Okay. So... <clears throat> Our next book is the Enchiridion and Discourses on Audible. That's what it's, the title is, by Epicetus. Yeah, Epicetus. Yeah. This guy's hardcore. Like he's he. I'm I'm pretty sure he's essentially like considered like the father of Stoicism. But I'm pretty sure Stoicism existed before he wrote his stuff. But he's he's a pretty hardcore philosopher. He pretty much explains like the whole concept about temperance. And uh, it should actually be pretty good read. A lot of people who read Stoicism, you know, find it to be almost like reading a self-help book. All right, and I hope you guys join us for next month. See you there. Later. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't mean to. (laughs) Yeah. I meant to. Thanks again for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed. Sound effects provided by the F Sound Band, and music provided by Ben Sound. Why not tell us what you thought of our review in the comments? And join us next time on...
Bookbag.